from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 7. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbours, saying to them, Rejoice for me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. I'm reading from Luke chapter 15, verse 8 to 10. To ten. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. She will light a lamp and sweep the house. She will search carefully until she finds the coin. And when she finds it, she will call her friends and neighbors, neighbors together. She will say, be joyful with me. I have found my lost coin. Um, Luke, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his st stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arm around him, and kissed him. The son had said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have let's have a feast and celebrate. For a son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they be began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What was going on? Your brother has come, he replied. And your father killed the fattened calf because he, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became, ang became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me 
even a young goat, so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is, is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He is, was lost and now is found. Oh, thanks very much for those readings. Um, guys, so let's just pray before we begin. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your wonderful love. And we pray that as we listen to your word, that you would make your word powerful in our hearts, that we might live it out and honor you. We want to thank you that you are the God who searches for the lost. And Lord, we thank you so much for your wonderful love. We give you praise in your holy name. Amen. Well, I wonder if you noticed the repetition that is in those parables. There's something that we've heard five times over, and that means that's something really important. You know, there's lots of things in these parables that we can pick out. We could talk about the color of the wool on the sheep, or we could talk about the hills that the, the shepherd possibly walked over to get to them. We can pick up all sorts of points, but the thing that's repeated the most is a thing that Jesus wants to get out of these parables. And five times over, we're told that God rejoices in saving the lost. The shepherd calls his friends and neighbors over to rejoice when he finds his lost sheep. The woman calls her friends and neighbors over to rejoice when she finds her lost coin. And at the end of those two parables, Jesus says, I tell you, very emphatic, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need to repent. I tell you, Jesus said, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God when one sinner repents. And then when the father receives his lost son back home, he makes a feast big enough for several guests. He kills a whole calf, that's a lot of meat, and there's a big celebration. God is someone who rejoices when lost people are found. And if you are lost this morning, God wants you to be found. But I guess we first have to answer the question, why be found? Is it worth it? Some people ask. Is it just to make God happy? Sure, God is happy when you follow him, but is there any point? And there is an actual fact, because Jesus is our only hope. Not only our only hope for heaven and life forever with him, but our only hope for this life and this world as well. If you are looking for a world full of love and peace, then turn to the God who is love and who has real peace. If you go your own way, you'll only find slavery to lust. If you are looking for security and wealth, then look to the God who owns everything and can give you peace even in the harshest storm. If you are wanting a stable political system, then look to the God who is the ruler of all and who will hold everyone to account. This God is worth being found by. And not only because of that, but also because we're all accountable to him. He is our creator. He is our judge. Jesus is our only hope. 
and going our own way leads to death. Jesus is looking for you. Jesus is searching for you. And we know this from the parables that Jesus said. God, he is like that shepherd searching for that lost sheep. Even though the farmer has a hundred sheep, he'll go out looking for just that one. Even if you were the only person who needed rescuing from sin on this earth, God would search for you. Maybe you feel like you're kind of all alone. God wants to welcome you into his family. Jesus is searching for you. He loves you and he values you. Jesus said that God is like that woman searching for her lost coin. She swept the house. She looked under the rugs. She, she shifted all the lamps. She shifted all the furniture. She was looking and looking and looking for that lost coin. God will go to any length to find you because he loves you and he values you. One of the greatest lies that Satan has for us is that you're just someone worthless. You're not worth anything. Nobody really cares. But God, he cares for you. He loves you so much, he would go to any length to find you. Jesus even went to the cross to die the death that we deserve. Jesus even went to the cross to die the death that we deserve so that we could be found by God. And God rejoices, he rejoices when we come to him and we follow him. And in the third parable, we see a much fuller picture of God. And Jesus spent more time telling this parable about this, the two sons and the father. So we're going to spend a little bit more time in there as well. The son in the parable was a pretty nasty son. He essentially said, Dad, I don't want anything to do with you. I wish you were dead. All I want is your money. Wouldn't that hurt? That would be awful. Absolutely awful. No email, no phone, no contact, just uh, sorry guys, sorry dad, you know, I just want your money. That's what the son did. And the, the father, surprisingly in this parable, he gave the son his share of the property. And to make it worse, the son didn't even do anything with the business, he just sold it off and ran off to another country. But the father, the God is like, our God is like that father, who's watching the road every day, who's looking out for his son and just longing, wishing, wanting his son to come back and be found. The son was away in another country, but to the father, he was dead. The relationship was dead. When, when the son came back, what did the father say? This son of mine, or this brother of yours, he was dead, but now he is alive again. And when the son came back, poor, starving, dejected, and repentant, the father shamed himself. He, he lifted up his rose, exposing his legs. Great shame for an older man in that culture. And then he ran up and gave his son a big hug, a big kiss, and, and he restored his son. And God, God is like that father. When we come to him, he doesn't just forgive us and leave us there. God is like that father in that he transforms repentant people. The son came back, and what did he get? He got a ring, a common symbol of authority, of status, and he got sandals of wealth. Now, I know in New Zealand, bare feet is no big deal, 
But when I was in Singapore, I wore bare feet around a bit. It was really hot over there. And a lot of people said to me, are you really poor? <laughs> you remind me of my mother back in the poor village in my home country. They had nothing there. They couldn't even afford shoes. And um, in, in the Middle Eastern culture, if you don't have shoes, it's like you have absolutely nothing. It's a symbol of poverty, not of relaxation. And the son, he returns home, he's nothing. He has all rags, he is starving, he has no shoes, obviously. And his, his father, he restores his property. He gives him some sandals, a symbol of restoration. The robe, the stole that the son was given is the same garment that the angel that Jesus' tomb wore in Mark chapter 16. It's the same garment that God gave the martyred saints in Revelation chapter 6. And it's the same garment that the Pharisees wore as well. <laughs> it's a, in, anyway, a long, lavish robe, something to do with purity and status. The God, our God, he loves us far too much to leave us in our sin. Our God is determined. Our God has purposed his eternal purpose to, to sanctify, to make holy and righteous, those who turn to him. And um, you can think of Romans chapter 8 and verses 28 to, to 30 there where those who come to God are justified and they will be what? Sanctified and glorified. This is God's purpose for those who come to him. And so one of the lies that Satan has for us, he says, oh, well, there's nothing but failure in your past, and you're abysmal in the present. There's nothing but failure in your future. But God has a purpose for us. His purpose is that he will make us godly and holy and righteous. Like the Father in this parable, God is one who is out to restore us and to make us holy, to, to restore us back to the family. And so... What are we to do with this amazing God, this amazing God who rejoices and who seeks sinners? What are we to do with that? Well, some of the people listening to Jesus, they were known as sinners, and that was the, the religious leader's term for people who were you know, thieves and prostitutes and thugs and things. And anyone who is a sinner, God, Jesus wants them to repent and be found, to repent and be found. And this is, this is something that we need to look at in depth. There's two groups of people who need to repent and be found. And so we're going to look at both of those. The first one is that sinners need to repent and be found. And everybody is a sinner. And through these parables, Jesus is saying that if you return to him, you will have forgiveness and restoration, no matter how bad you've been, no matter where you are. But first we need to know how can we be found? How can we repent? And so let's have a look at the son in this parable. The son was in the far country, of course. He spent all his dad's money, and it all ran out. He had no more friends, and he found himself with nothing, starving, feeding pigs, animals that um, he considered unclean as part of his culture. And what did he do to turn to God? Well, he realized that his life was filthy and hopeless and fruitless. And he remembered his father's kindness. And so he returned to his father 
and he gave a full and genuine apology. And that's the attitude that we need to come to God with. When, we, when you turn to God, if you want to follow God, if you want the life that God has for you, then we have to come to God with total repentance. Just look at the, what the, the son planned to say to the father. He said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. This hired servant is a mistos, the lower than the lowest household slave. At least household slaves get work every day, you know. At least they get food every day. But if you're a casual farm worker, you just get called on sort of when you need it and sent off when you're not. That's what he was asking to be. The lowest of the low farm workers, I'm not even worthy to do that. There's no excuses, no ifs, no buts, just, I'm sorry, just throw yourself on the mercy of the Father. When the son actually got to the Father, he begins his little speech of, of um, repentance, of, of saying sorry. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father says, quick, he interrupts him. He doesn't even get to say, please make you one of your hired servants. Father says, quick, bring the robe, bring the sandals, start the feast. Let's celebrate. The son of mine is back. And God is just so thrilled when we follow him, when we join his family and live in his community. And that's also part of repentance, isn't it? Being part of God's family in fellowship and community and living God's way, living with the Father. And so that's, that's what we need to do to be found. Next slide, please. And so, like, like that son, if you want to repent, if you want to turn to God, the Bible says we need to confess our sins to God. We need to pray for God's mercy and praise him for his wonderful offer of salvation and surrender your life to him. And we have... Um, more to look at in this um, parable, in this message. But right now, I'll just leave a few moments. If that's what you want to do, if you want to turn to God, then you can pray to God right now. You don't have to use the words on the screen, but um, definitely we need to pray to God and, and turn to him. Next slide, please. There's another group of people whom Jesus was talking with, and it's at this point that the chapter divisions in our Bibles are quite unfortunate because they've divided up a, an important conversation. It starts at the beginning of chapter 14 and goes halfway through chapter 16, at least, if not further. Basically, it goes like this. The, the Pharisees, they were eating at... That they were eating and Jesus was eating with them. The Pharisees, of course, were people who loved God's word. They loved it so much. They studied it. They thought about it. They talked about it. They interpreted it. They really loved God's word and they told other people about it. They, they were very keen on, on God's word. And one of them says to Jesus, wouldn't it be great when in the final judgment day when God's people get to have a big feast with God, a big celebration with God? Isn't it great when you get to eat at the feast with God in perfect fellowship? And Jesus says, yes, but 
God is one who seeks sinners. You, you've invited all the rich people. You should be inviting the lame and the poor and the blind. And those, of course, were Jesus' friends. Come into chapter 15, uh, next slide, and we find the Pharisees grumbling against Jesus. This guy, he hangs out with sinners. This guy, he's friends with prostitutes. This guy, he's friends with those cheating tax collectors who charge too much. This guy... And Jesus tells these three parables in response to the Pharisees. In fact, he tells four parables. The fourth one's in chapter 16, so we'll leave that there for the next preacher. But um, these three parables were told for the Pharisees as well as for the lost sinners who were listening to him. And these parables essentially said to the Pharisees that they needed to repent. Next slide, please. Because it says, the the shepherd finds his sheep and everyone rejoices. The woman finds her coin and everyone rejoices. The father finds his son and there's great rejoicing, but the older brother stands outside grumbling. The Pharisees, they're grumbling against Jesus because he's friends with sinners. He's restoring sinners. And the shocking thing about these Pharisees is that this community that loved God's word so much They knew their Bible so well, and yet they were shocked that God would seek sinners. They knew, they knew that the Bible said that a companion of fools, moral fools, suffers harm. But they also knew what we read in Ezekiel chapter 18, where God says, Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the sovereign Lord? Rather, am I not pleased when they repent and live After seeing and reading all about God's wonderful love and mercy and patience with Israel through all the Old Testament, they were still shocked that God would seek sinners. You know, the temptation for Pharisees in Jesus' day was to pray, Dear God, I thank you I'm not like all those sinful tax collectors and stuff. Today, I think that for some Christians, the temptation is to pray, Dear God, I thank you I'm not like that Pharisee. They studied the Bible lots, and I don't study it at all. <laughs> the, the sin of the Pharisees was not their Bible study. It wasn't because they were academics. It was because they didn't think it applied to them. They didn't think it applied to them. They, if the Pharisees were listening to, to a sermon, they would sit there with a checklist. Oh, yes, the preacher said this. Oh, yes, the preacher said this. Oh, wait, he forgot to say that. Right? But then they didn't take it on board or do it. And for us, God's word, God's message, this message is for us. And what Jesus wanted the Pharisees to do, he wanted them to seek the lost. The, father, the shepherd was seeking the sheep. The woman was seeking her coin. The father was looking out for his son. Jesus was wanting the Pharisees to search for the lost, these lost people, these sinners, and bring them to God, bring them to repentance, to search them out, to join in the heart of God's mission. And that's what God wants for us today as well. Every follower of Jesus is called to be a missionary. Missions are not things that people do overseas when they're specially called. Missions are things that all of us 
are to do every single day of our lives, wherever we live. And we know that Jesus' disciples who were listening to Jesus say this, they took this on board and they turned the world upside down with Jesus' teaching everywhere they went. They proclaimed the gospel that God seeks sinners. You can turn to him and repent. And so I'd like to um, challenge us to begin to think about how we can do that. Uh, next slide, please. You know, one, one group of people whom sometimes we hear conversations about in church are Muslim people. And I've been in many conversations where I hear people lamenting about how awful and evil ISIS is and about how the terrible things we hear on the news. And it's not wrong to call sin what it is. It's, it's not wrong to call sin what it is. Psalm 11 tells us God is angry with sinners every single day. But remember that Jesus bore God's wrath so sinners can be forgiven, and all heaven rejoices when one sinner turns and repents. And unfortunately, I've been in a lot of conversations where people are sort of saying, well, isn't it terrible the Muslims are coming here? Isn't it terrible the Muslims are like this? Isn't it terrible ISIS is like that? And it is wrong, it is sinful, the things that we hear about. But Unfortunately, how often have you heard somebody say, let's pray for our Muslim friends. Let's reach out to the Muslims in Hamilton in New Zealand. It's something that is not thought of. That doesn't seem to be thought of very much sometimes. We must seek the lost like our saviour. There's another group of people whom sometimes we don't hear much about or... Um, or we hear similar sort of attitudes about, and that is the gay community. You know, it's not wrong to call sin what it is, whether homosexual sin or heterosexual sin. Sin is still sin, and it's not wrong to call it what it is. If we don't call sin sin, then we can't call people to repentance. Like the son living in his filth in that foreign country, he realized he was in a bad state before he returned to the father. And we need to remember that God is angry with sinners every single day. God hates sin. That's why Jesus came to die. But this is the age of grace when we can offer repentance and joy and restoration with God. I wonder, have you prayed for the people in the gay community? Have you thought about how you could reach your friends and neighbours um, who might who might be totally okay with that or who might be that way. God is calling us to be missionaries to every area of our society. And finally, what about our neighbours? You know, um, our neighbours, people who live around us, people who live right next door, we don't have to go far to look for the lost. Often they're just a few metres away and we can... You can invite them over for dinner, we can pray for them, we can pray with them, and we can talk with them about our God. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, yes, 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 I want to be a missionary, but the question is how? It's so hard and so scary to talk about God with people for whom he's so foreign. It's so difficult to, to talk with um, people about God. It's, and in my own life, I've, there's many times I've found it really scary to try and do that. Well, we can, um, we can talk about it. There's lots of resources on the internet. And there's also a lot of good books like this one, um, Tactics, very excellent book. 
You know, when I was, um, many years ago when I was growing up, the, the done thing was to learn a little gospel spiel, like a mini two-minute sermon, and look for an opportunity to say it, and then blurt it out, and it was really awkward and didn't work very well. But this kind of, this, um, this, this kind of thing is really good. It's talking about good questions you can ask, how we can do it through conversation, and it's a lot less awkward. There's a lot of good tools out there, and we can pray about that as a church and think about how we can best reach the lost people around us and seek the lost like our God. And so God calls, these, God calls us all to be like Jesus Christ. And so we, we have to um, finish this message with a call for all of us to, to be like Jesus and for everyone to repent, everyone who needs to repent, to repent. And so whatever sin you struggle with, whether it's the sin of apathy or whether it's the sin of not loving the lost or whether it's the, a homosexual sin or a heterosexual sin, whatever sin you struggle with, you can repent today and God will be with you as you do. And so will we as a church support each other as we learn to grow and to be like Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we'll have many opportunities to rejoice, to rejoice with God as people join the family of God and become transformed to be like our wonderful Saviour. And if anyone would like prayer after church, just come down the front and I'll be there. Others will be there too. And we can pray for you. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much that you take joy in restoring sinners who anger you so much. Lord, thank you that you, you seek us, that you never give up. Thank you that you have all the wisdom and power that there is. And Lord, thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ, who was the perfect model of how to reach out into the lives of sinful people and proclaim your wonderful gospel. Lord, thank you for showing us that you're a loving and caring God who never gives up on us. And Lord, we pray that you would give us a heart for the lost. Give me a heart for the lost like you have, Lord. Your love is so amazing.